Alrighty, and uh, Whoops. Oh. back. Um, so we're gonna talk Ooh, about now. Jared, welcome. Hey. So, uh, <laughs> what? Let's start off uh, before we get into the technical stuff. Let's let's start off with you, if you just want to introduce yourself and uh, any way you'd like. Sure. My name is Jared Falcons. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff over the years. It's kind of how I explain it to people. And I just encourage folks that they can do stuff too, hacking or defense or whatever they want to do. Um, start a piece stuff. Uh, and yeah, right now I, I help with nonprofit called OpsEdu. I also do um, some open source projects that we'll talk about here tonight. Very cool. Um, oh, yeah. So you put like so as a a B sides you used outside as your your demo god pock you prayed to yeah yeah so I can explain that real quick um, so if you go to uh, I created this project called Kushtaka and it's kushtaka.org. I named it after um, there's a tribe in the Pacific Northwest the Tinglet tribe they they've got a uh, a legend about an, an otter that shapeshifts, right? And it would lure you in and then steal your soul. And so I thought for like a canary project, a honey project, um, it would be kind of cool to riff off of that. And so one of the things that I'm passionate about is um, trying to help folks who are underfunded, under-resourced, understand the systems in which they operate. And a lot of times that's people systems. Pe systems, um, they, they know the right thing to do. Uh, they know that they need patch management. They know that they need to understand what the resources are, are at, uh, but they can't, right? There's only one of them uh, and there's just no money. So a lot of times I try to plug into them and, and figure out how I can help. And Kushtaka is kind of born out of that as far as when I was looking, if I could continue to develop different exploits to try to bring awareness to kind of the plight of some of these organizations, including mine, um, I was finding that wasn't very successful. I was finding that uh, I could develop you know, pretty standard attacks and it wasn't really helping. It was helping with some large, you know, billion dollar mega corporations, but it's a tough conversation to have as every um, security person knows. And so with Kustaka, I was thinking, well, here's something that's fairly simple. And if I can just distill it and make it as simple as possible, which is actually incredibly hard to do, could I get this on premise for them? And if I make it look sexy and hot, would, would, their manager be like, hey, if I show this to my boss, maybe I'll get a raise. So let me have this engineer actually implement this. Um, and so the engineer's happy because it's not a blinky light. It's, it's something that is, there's a lot of research behind over, over 20 or 30 years of research there that can help. But the critical thing is just the simplicity, the ideas behind that. And so what I did with thugcrowd.com is on stage, I was introducing this talk and it went, it went really well. I was really pleased. Um, but I just uh, point, I registered thugcrowd.org, which I think is still up. And um, with Kushtaka, you can just point the aggregator, the, the dashboard, at a website, and it'll make a soft clone of it with all the assets. It's not a proxy. I, I've got a bunch of technical decisions behind that. Um, and then so on the stage, I made a clone, had my A record and my DNS stuff pointed to thugcrowd.org. And now every time people go to that site, um, I get an alert and the ideal would be if you go to say a Palo Alto, you know, the analogy I was giving on stage was take this another level and, and go to uh, a, pa a Palo Alto portal, right? Which is, you know, vpn.example.com, right? Or thugcrowd.com. Um, if you clone that and then put that on your internal network and, and make it so that, um, 
nobody really knows about it, especially your staff, right? Um, when attackers start to probe, we've, we've seen other tools uh, like this, but when attacker probes it and, and starts to scan it, um, when they interact with it, it'll alert you. And that's a high value signal uh, versus something like a seam. Uh, so that's kind of a deep dive into it, but there's kind of the, the thought and the genesis and the, the demo gods being praised for having me not suck on stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's always uh, a bonus. Um, but I guess, it, uh, so you put a lot of work into that, um, obviously, to get that to that point. So, yeah, kushtaka.org is in the chat. Um, we probably should put that in the show notes as well. Um, yeah definitely so it sounds like and it's still it provides almost like a canary like service so yeah well it's it's so if you think of like i think the popular one right now is thanks right canary.tools or whatever and i really like um i really like those guys but a lot of my peers we can't afford that um and i want to support them like part of part of who i am that i always don't always know if i fit in um but i do like to help people and 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 uh, it's a it's a really weird trait to have hacking skills, but seemingly to want to legitimately help people who are underserved. Um, but they can't afford that canary tool stuff. So if I package this up with Go into one binary, and I say, okay, instead of like you know forcing you to install SQL, which you know doesn't seem like much to me or you, but to many people um, it is. So I, I chose a key value store called um, Bolt. Uh, it's really well known. I know that. Uh, my buddy Ben wrote it. I've been using it for years on different projects. Um, Heroku's got like terabytes, I believe, of data in it. Um, but this makes it so that this binary, I can ship it to Windows, right? Cross-compile it to Windows, um, uh, ARM, uh, you know, OSX, or obviously Linux is what I develop on. Um, and it's, it's pretty seamless, as well as the nice property of Go, which I think still folks don't truly grok. Like the power of it is... Um, Right, the, the dynamic libraries, that's not a thing in Go, right? It's, it's that static compilation, which makes it reproducible, which means that as somebody like myself with like 20 years doing this crap, um, I hate, you know, I hate debugging that stuff. So it's just that reproducible build is so, is so helpful. That's very cool. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, so there's some other stuff you want to talk about. Where do you want to? Yeah, so um, that the nonprofit OpSec EDU, um, I got involved in, in that. I founded that with some friends when, I don't know, it seems like maybe everybody has a story like this. I, I ran into some serious vulnerabilities um, with a piece of software that's pretty critical to that type of infrastructure, uh, to um, K-12 and education, that, that type of infrastructure. And when I disclosed it, I, I disclosed things in goodwill and just like, hey, this is like a lot of times if I can have an idea of what the source code looks like or even get an inkling i'll, I'll write a quick patch that's something just to help out um and they kind of took it and i said oh we already know about this right and uh and they said there's a patch on their portal and, and when i looked and i actually ran file against the pdf and stuff i could see like it was sitting out there for like 18 months and they had never told anybody and so um this is not you know as we know this is not uncommon it's just real it's just uh kind of pathetic but um and so a bunch of friends and I, I, got, I got together and we decided that um, I'd keep auditing the software. And every time I went back and just audited again, you know, session replay or SQL injection or DOS or RCE or whatever it was that I was finding, I kind of just batched these vulnerabilities and, and approached this corporation. Um, and eventually 
through a long process, um, they started to understand. Um, but my system, like I, I talked, I spoke about earlier, if you attack, you know, if you're trying to change a system, my core belief is like, you've got to reach the people inside. And maybe it sounds too idealistic to some, but it, you, you have to approach the people. And it wasn't until, you know, I didn't go on Twitter. I didn't blast them. I didn't shame them. I know this is super weird. I know people might hate me for it or <laughs> I disagree with me avidly, but like I went in and just every time I said, no, no, this is still messed up. Let me show you. And I, and um, it took about nine months of that before it was successful. Um, and a lot of community effort where people were standing up kind of saying, you said, this is, this is the patch we need. And this is the information and we need this CVSS score and all this stuff. So I know it sounds weird because uh, some people might think that this stuff's all figured out, but I can tell you it's, it's really not. So um, yeah, that's kind of the intro to that, to that project. And I can kind of talk about how we've helped kids and a couple other things to, if you like. Yeah. 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 Sure. Definitely. Um, so yeah, we did this thing called bring your ethical hacker. There's a huge stigma in education, right? You say, well, we're hacker most, mm -hmm. you know, un unfortunately even CISOs, right? And I'm not speaking ill of anybody who's my peer who's listening to this, but a lot of those folks rise to the ranks in a different way, right? They rise through, um, maybe a more salesy way or more managerial way and the technical knowledge to actually do these things you know, isn't, isn't on their agenda, isn't on their to-do list. So they hear the word hacker and there's a lot of fear. Um, and I can say that when we did this ethical hack thing where we had people all over uh, the world <laughs> get involved to bring classroom students in. And then what was powerful about this is that through virtual sessions, kids could hear from people in the information security community. But on top of that, those teachers could go back to their admins. They could, the admins could go back to their superintendents and be like, whoa, we we let these hackers in and they didn't destroy us, right? Like they didn't hurt us. They were trying to help and our kids loved it and our teachers yeah, loved it. I, I cannot more. imagine how you managed to get away with that. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> just imagine uh, I'm walking into a, into a classroom, like virtually, right? You know, they put me like a hacker uh, up on a screen to interact with their like 14 year olds who totally knew I was a hacker and were asking me how to hack stuff. And, you know, the, the fact that, you know, a teacher would actually allow that to happen at all was like a pretty major career risk on their part, but it was awesome. The kids had great questions. They were, you know, they weren't like, I assumed that they'd waste my time and they had a lot for me to think about. So it was, you know, super fun participating in this. I hope that we get to do it again. Um, we got some pretty great feedback and, you know, I think that was pretty much the case with everybody you brought in, right, Jared? Absolutely. I think their only issues were technical, but I mean, we, we, we spoke with kids as far as Australia and that was a really powerful moment. I think when you, um, when you step outside of yourself and you see kids or, uh, you know, another powerful moment was David, um, somebody asked for an ESL, ESL, ESL classroom, right? Uh, English second language. And so, um, my buddy David and I, David speaks Spanish. We got to do that classroom. And like these kids, if you kind of see them, right, they're checked out, right? Their heads are on a desk. Um, they're, they're in their own little bubble. David was kind of explaining it to me where they're, I think these kids were in the middle of Virginia, right? And they don't speak English. And so he was just saying how lonely culturally that would be. And we start talking. 
Um, and I've got some pretty good, uh, pretty good stories over the years um, that are high risk, high reward stories to engage them. And all of a sudden you start to see them pull their heads off their desk. They start listening to you. Uh, they start engaging with you. They start asking questions. Um, so yeah, it was, it was amazing. I, I couldn't have asked for something to go yeah, better. Yeah. I mean, the kids were asking me like, how do I stop jerks from DDoSing me off my game? And it's like, <laughs> so, you know, like 14 year olds know what DDoS, are, DDoS is. And, you know, it's kind of cool because the same thing go, is going on with them as was going on with me when I was on IRC as a kid. So it's like, you know, <laughs> same, same shit, different thing. Um, yeah, there's, really uh, you know, there's there's something that's a little bit different, which is that they don't have to break the law to be able to learn any technology they want. And that's what I think is so cool now. If, you know, you have kids that are intrinsically motivated and they want to learn how to do things, you can communicate with anybody in the world for free. Uh, you can basically get computers for almost free, uh, fish them out of any dumpster. You can, you know, you have access to all of the cloud computing capacity um, that a free AWS account can give you, which is essentially a supercomputer. And you don't need to break the law for any of that, which is just completely amazing compared to how we, how we were coming up. If you actually have a EDU address, which we which we're talking about education, um, in Australia and New Zealand, there is an organization called Nectar where you can get free compute time on supercomputer clusters. So you can get like uh, a couple of cores and some, uh, some RAM huh. with just your uh, your EDU account. Sign up, log into your. Who's who's talking? Who's this? Yeah, this is Judge Dread. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, there's a there's a teacher I'd like to, yeah, just briefly connect you with. But she's down. She's in Australia, and that would mean a lot to her. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's uh, it's it's a it's basically a big um, distributed thing that's set up by. All, like a lot of different universities and they'll each host their own part and then it's a federated logon for edu um and that's new zealand huh. that's awesome so that's that's one way to get There's some free azure uh compute time too with an edu address Here, yeah i mean azure gives away free compute time you can get free compute time from uh, amazon with a developer account uh i think they give you a hundred dollars a month for free um you know, obviously, uh, there's there's plenty of ways to, to get compute time, but almost anybody can get a computer now. And in fact, a lot of school districts give them to kids. So I think that's, you know, the the ability to communicate with pretty much anybody in the world instantly for free. That's something we didn't have uh, access to powerful computers is something that we didn't have. And anybody who's intrinsically motivated now. Um, and really wants to learn how to be a hacker can, uh, and they don't have to go to jail to do it. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. I think everybody in this room has a story of I was in high school and I accidentally accessed something, and then <laughs> I probably got in trouble. Like that's that's the st same story that you hear from uh, anyone who's you know around the the. 30 plus uh yeah i was at i was at b-sides pdx and i attended this kid's talk he was awesome he's building this project onioner he's trying to a distributed secure thing on top of tour i guess is the best way i can put it right now but you can google it onioner um but yeah his story was like all I, why i wanted the secure thing this you know privacy thing was i was trying to get around my school's proxy right that mm -hmm. that's a real that's a real thing that kids do and i 
obviously being in education, I don't advocate for that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I need to not do that, right? I need to help help students understand the risks. Um, I, I think the, the most fearful I get for kids, because I've seen kids get wadded up in the system, right? If you're, if you're pushing on people, you can affect people. If you're pushing on systems, you're going to really fail um, is, is, a, is that belief again. And so I've seen kids get really wadded up in that stuff um, that doesn't get talked about sometimes, not in my district, but you, you see it other places um, and there's just different philosophies. And so uh, when, when I was at B-Sides PDX, there was a, a kid who knew the law. This kid was just repeating the law to me and all these laws that protected, he felt protected him. And I was like, yeah, but have you ever personally been sued? And he kind of blinked at me. I'm like, man, I have, like, I won't go into it, but I have. And that is stressful as all get out. You, you've not suffered until you've been sued. Um, and it's important for people to understand the, um, the, you know, especially kids, the law versus the actual damage yeah. you're going to do to your life. Yeah. I mean, there's an yeah, investment. So like you, you might be clear cut innocent, of a, of a crime for example like you know the, there's a, a law that specifically allows something to happen but there's also um a, a criminal complaint made but you still need to go through the process um yep. and unless somebody has i haven't done that and i hope that i never have to do that dude um, yeah i've never so my stuff was all personal right bad contractor tried to steal money from me had to go to court, right? It's, it's a bad business deal, essentially. But I can tell you, like, the stress on my spouse, my kids, man, that ain't worth it, dude. Like, it is horrible. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And stepping foot in any sort of courtroom is, uh, man, I don't even like filling out paperwork. I have to yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's uh, compound that. So, um, this, so, yeah, working with uh, like educating kids, I guess, on, on hacking, like, I guess it's become very um, within gaming culture. Gaming has obviously become mainstream for the kids. I probably sound like a boomer. Um, but, uh, you know, no, you sound like a boomer. Every, every <laughs> is like Fortnite, right? Like they're playing Xbox or whatever, or Minecraft or Roblox or whatever it is. Untitled they, Goose Game. Uh, that game rules, by the way. <laughs> Um, but it definitely it, it comes in then like people start get you know get on twitch like we're on twitch right now and somebody gets ddos and somebody gets doxxed and somebody accidentally streams typing their password in the wrong place um you know and these aren't aren't always sophisticated hacks but they're things that kids are coming across and there's definitely a culture where people start to think that doxing or DDoSing is, is normal. Um, and that, you know, that, and having a way to understand what it actually is and how to prevent it, um, is, is excellent education. Yeah. I mean, like the way I pitch it to some folks and it's, you know, you gotta be in the right, um, the right culture. Right. But if we're not going to teach our kids about sex or whatever, I mean, then they're going to mess up all the time and it's going to suck. And so we take the time to do that. And yet these very technical kids, like there's brilliant kids who just uh, routinely knock me out of the park, just what they come up with. And yet we're not having critical conversations. Uh, and I do, I, I, you know, this is kind of born out of some of that, that concern that you're talking about. Cool. Uh, so is it still ongoing? 
Uh, so we just did it in October. I'm trying to tie it in. I learned I learned a bunch, right? Was trying to get it uh, to the beginning of the U.S. school year so that um, you know teachers need to integrate that into their curriculum planning for the semester type of deal, right? And so we were kind of late to the party. Had a lot of feedback or had a lot of involvement, even despite that. But next year we do this. Um, you know, I'd like to get everybody on board in July, launch it in August, and get everything kind of dialed in in September for October, which is kind of scrambling like I was doing. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely um, a timeline. That's definitely something to, uh, to aim for. Um, there's a lot of stuff I imagine goes into the preparation and the you know getting convincing the teachers. I guess is the other thing convincing uh, people that because even teachers, you know, they might now that they're adults, they're still not like most people aren't really aware of the kind of things that people in infosec see quite frequently not at all and yeah i mean this this phase it's kind of funny community building right um again pushing on people uh to impact systems right don't attack the system help the people um this whole piece was like very trust building right so my fear was like maybe the first session goes horrible well man what happens then right or um maybe some kid starts uh ddosing the network right when they you know when robert's talking right okay what happens then right there's those, all those fears that you have when you take a risk and you try to step up and help somebody um, but they are meaningful things uh and so i think it's okay to push like i'm willing to to push to help but yeah, there, it was a whole trust building phase for sure this year. Well, I think it was super awesome, though. It's uh, the kids had really great questions. Um, the freshmen had very different questions than the uh, juniors and seniors did. So, you know, you can see how, like, as they're learning more, the sophistication of their questions changes. Um, and, you know, overall, uh, I think that I think um with the freshmen we kind of missed the mark uh we didn't have a really good plan going in for like how to be completely age appropriate so we were like kind of way past where they are um in planning a career so it would have been a little bit better to have a career discussion more for like you know the juniors and seniors and and like more about like you know how to use a vpn to get around a ddosing jerk for games like for the younger students but you know that's that's uh, we just learn as we go right and uh for a first effort i was super happy with it um nobody fell asleep uh, i figured the <laughs> worst thing that could happen is like they'd all get up and leave or they'd all fall asleep and play with their phones and like you know we had more questions than time which i think was great yeah that's awesome They'll be like in there ignoring you and installing like some Android malware APK um, on their rooted <laughs> on their rooted phone. Hey, that'd be fun. Yeah. All you have to do is walk through the Shenzhen airport for that to happen. But you know that's a different story. <laughs> you guys didn't get into watering holes earlier. Like you should totally do that. Yeah, uh, we yeah. talked about watering holes previously with uh, certain news outlets being targeted, and that's uh, you know drive-bys and and whatnot. <laughs> if um, is there anything else? If, if we're running out of time, I was just trying to make sure, is there anything else anybody wanted to, to talk about before I hogged this last half an hour? Uh, oh, oh, going yeah. back to that. Oh, go Generally, ahead. Waterfall. Generational difference. Uh, yeah. Going back to the generational difference somebody brought up. Uh, yeah. Um, asking, well, telling my grandkids that they needed to floss, I uh, did not have the reaction that, uh, the response that I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're okay, boomered. 
<laughs> oh, damn. No, oh, yeah, a, I'm, I asked I'm the kids to not okay boomer me. Thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, oh, no, no, it's not my generation. I don't, I don't matter. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah, Gen X don't matter. So <laughs> We're invisible. So, yeah, uh, during during break, uh, uh, we we had brought up two things. Um, and uh, I'm honestly kind of spacing on the second one, but uh, did anybody have anything on that or should we just stick on this topic you think dude yeah i totally like i i have not had a drink since the like third week of september and i poured some stoli vanilla for this uh for this conversation mm. right <laughs> so uh have you ever heard of svalbard nope nope what is it <laughs> This northern populated island in the world. It's around 500 miles from the North Pole, and it's governed by treaty like Antarctica. Uh, so anybody's allowed to live there if you can find a way to make a living. And there is a Norwegian village, and there's a Soviet village called Barentsburg that still has a statue of Lenin. And I love Soviet villages. You know, I've been all over the uh, former Soviet Union, except for Russia. Haven't been, I, I, I've been in the, uh, like, I've been stuck there overnight in the airport, but I've never, like, gone out into Russia. So it's, like, really cool to me to get to go to an actual Russian place with no Russian visa. And, uh, of course, I hacked the trip there. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit before about travel hacking, right? So, uh, how deep do you want me to get in this? Do should I get like super wonky and technical? About uh, I will learn how to get free 20, tickets and go to places for free. Twenty-seven okay. minutes. Twenty-seven <laughs> minutes. Okay. Uh, cool. just, <laughs> no, we don't. teach me. Teach me. I'm poor. Yeah, we we don't yeah. have we don't have any specific uh, timelines, but yeah, uh, the the free trips are very close to free. All that stuff's I'm sure definitely interesting to hear oh man this is strong like i'm not kidding i haven't had a drink it might be a good iteration we we take it like drunk history except for drunk hacking maybe or something like that yeah exactly so uh so here's the hack go ahead I was just going to say, it's, it's hack drunk, testify sober. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. Time at a time. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I do this miles and points stuff. And one of the better um, ways to get points is to use credit cards from Chase, City, Amex, and Capital One, because they have what we call transferable points. So... If you sign up for new credit cards and you watch the bonuses, you can actually get a whole whack of points for free. And, you know, I have like a rental property, which is a business. So if you sell anything on eBay, you have a business. If you have a rental property, you have a business, right? You can sign up for all the business credit cards and you get giant amounts of points. So I signed up for a Chase credit card called the uh, uh, Chase Inc. Business Preferred cost me $95 and I got 80,000 points, which is more than a round trip to Europe worth of points. And so what I did with these things is like, you know, 
I was interested in going to Svalbard, and I'm also interested in going to Moldova. And if you look on a map, they're not close to each other. Svalbard is 500 miles from the North Pole. It's like kind of wedged between Greenland and the like very tippy top of Norway. Uh, and also, it's not a cheap place to get to because it's like in the middle of freaking nowhere. Uh, and there's only like two airlines that fly there and only one you can get to there on points. Uh, and then Moldova, um, it's like the, the poorest country in Europe. It's a former Soviet Republic. And part of it's the breakaway, like de facto, like Republic of Transnistria or Predestrovia as they call themselves. So it's like not, it's like a country, but not even a country. It's like nobody recognizes it except for like itself and, there's these two other breakaway republics that are part of that broke away from Georgia and they all recognize each other. So, you know, like if I was going to buy this ticket, it would be crazy money. It was like $4,800, something along those lines to be able to do this, to go to both Svalbard and Moldova and come back here to Seattle. Points. All I paid was tax. Uh, so what I did is I took these credit card points that I got for like my rental property that isn't even a business really it's just but like legally it is um i transferred sixty thousand of them to united uh so with united if you book a round trip you get to do and what that is is if you have a round trip to like from one uh one region to another region on their award chart you can take an additional one-way trip in any region except for the one that you departed from. So you can do some like even crazier hacks than this. Like I could, could have done like a round trip to, you know, say Paris and then done a one way separately from like Cairo to Johannesburg. And that would have worked like that's legit. Um, or, you know, something all the way across Asia, like would also have been legit. But in this case, like I just needed a really expensive intra-European flight an $890 flight from Svalbard to like, you know, Moldova, right? So I, I ended up using the excursionist perk in the European region. Uh, and so what I'm doing is flying, uh, and I had to leave from San Francisco because there was no award availability at all from Seattle. And that's kind of an important travel hacking tip is like, if you're trying to get an itinerary to work, you can't always make it work from the city you live in. You might need to pick one nearby and then just buy a ticket there. Uh, but this is going to be um, fairly epic, and it's a crazy, crazy destination. I've got a day and, well, a little more than a day and a half there, uh, so I'm totally going to make the most of it. Uh, and that's why I'm drinking vanilla vodka today, like kind of in celebration of this. Oh, yeah. So, so ask hey, me anything Robert, about my points. Does, 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 yeah, okay. So somebody like me, right? My my wife lo loves to travel. So what what are like your top three or five things that I can try to focus us on to try to get free trips, right? Because you're telling me this long thing that you're passionate about, but I just need like those concrete things to try to execute on. Oh yeah, totally. So well, you know what I one thing that I think is really awesome as a concrete thing is it's really hard to use miles and points to go popular places that people have heard of. But okay. if you want to go somewhere crazy like Svalbard that nobody's ever heard of, like it might mm -hmm. actually be possible. If you want to go check out like a former Soviet Republic that's kept everything exactly like it was in the Soviet Union, mm -hmm. then you, know, you can totally do that. And so, you know, get a little bit creative with what you're looking for. Like I've 
you know, been able to book stuff that's, you know, pretty awesome to uh, places that are quite a bit off the beaten path. But I'm also going somewhere conventional. Like I'm taking the Hello Kitty plane uh, in April and I love Hello <laughs> Kitty. So I, have, I bought Hello Kitty shoes to wear on the Hello Kitty plane. I'm not. Um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, but I'll be taking those, the Hello Kitty plane in business class. And this is another fun award hack. Uh, it's cheaper to go like, so with Avianca Life Miles, you can do uh, a, if you do a mixed cabin itinerary, meaning that you do partly business and partly in economy, they charge you based on mileage. So and, I'm, here, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, look, look for, uh, look for spots that aren't super attractive. And now I'm hearing like a, a change up with the, with the economy, the, the ticket economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So like the, I'm, I, I promise there's a method of my madness. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, so like the, so here's a, here's like another thing you can do. So the, the first thing is like, look off the beaten path. The second thing you do is like, so how do I get this Hello Kitty plane ticket? I booked it way in advance. I booked it okay. months ago. So like right when the calendar opened pretty much um, for the Hello Kitty flight. And so because, and you know, with, with miles and points, there's usually only a few seats per plane that they make available for free. So if you're looking super far in advance, uh, you can often snag itineraries that are, you know, pretty attractive. So if you want to go somewhere that's, you know, more conventionally popular, then what you would want to do is, is book it super far in advance. Third thing you can do, um, think Asia. The, you know, like everybody wants to go to Europe in the summer. Why? The weather sucks in Europe in the summer. Everybody leaves the cities. It's freaking terrible. It's like hot and humid. They don't have air conditioning like we do uh, in as many places as we do. So it's just, you know, way better to go there in the spring and fall. Um, and if you look off peak just a little bit, then, you know, so think Asia or think off peak. And I guess that would be number four. Think Asia because year round, it's, there's really great award availability to Asia. Uh, I can get you to, you know, outside of Asian holidays. Uh, and that's, you know, the reason why Asia is really good is because they take different holidays than we do. So when okay. really busy, like that's a great time, time to get on, a, on an Asian airline and fly to Asia because they'll still have seats available. Um, and then thinking off peak, thinking a little bit off peak shoulder seasons there, you know, it's better to go anyway then. And uh, it's way less competitive to find award space. Uh, and I guess the fifth one that I'll give you is pick your miles and points program strategically. Uh, hmm. So, you know, most people just like bank points with their favorite airline, you know, here in, here in Seattle, like a lot of people, and so there's just tons of people with a lot of Alaska points and they carry the Alaska credit card. I'm not going to say that's a bad thing, but it limits your flexibility because the only thing I can do uh, with those points is book on Alaska and their partners. And that may not be the best combination for, for the trip you want to take. If you're going to Europe, Alaska's partners are lousy. Uh, if you're going to Asia, they have some of the best in the world. And so it really depends. And, you know, they also partner with Emirates, which almost nobody else does. So if you want to fly somewhere Emirates goes, then, then there are great points for that. But um, if you bank with, you know, if you bank your points with an, with a bank program, and so that's American Express, uh, membership rewards points, uh, city, ultimate rewards points, uh, city, or pardon me, city is, uh, is thank you points, Chase's ultimate rewards points, and 
Capital One has a, has this thing called the venture rewards point. Those points are transferable. And so I can pick from like a whole bunch of different airline programs to move your points into. So when I'm booking a trip, um, you know, I, I might end up doing one way with one airline program and alliance and, you know, the other direction with another airline program and alliance. So, uh, you know, having those points that you can move into different programs gives you a lot of flexibility that you don't have if you bank with just one airline. Cool. Nice. Yeah. I think you're, uh, another way the, to, the, sorry. Not, oh, go, go for you. Yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say another way that, uh, you can gain points as well is airlines also have bug bounties and pay in points. Um, so you can start- Oh dude, that's totally true. Um, United airlines has a bug bounty and they pay in points. I have a friend who basically like he and one of his buddies, like they're, they're both pretty good at, you know, doing red team stuff and reversing, you know, reversing things. And they banged on United site and like got enough bug bounty points to go to New Zealand for like, what is it, KiwiCon down there? KiwiCon? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to KiwiCon. So I got here. <laughs> like, used to be. KawaiiCon now. Fancy, like, life. Oh, man. It's with those bug bounty points to New Zealand for KiwiCon. I mean, I've been to DEFCON from Australia return on bug bounty points. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were, they were gifted to me um, by a bug bounty guy. And... Uh, <laughs> same <laughs> where yeah. are you down there i was just down in australia a few weeks ago I, i'm in uh, i'm in melbourne i'm in the south oh you're in melbourne i didn't go there i went to uh, sydney for a day perth uh, i had two days there and i was out at christmas island which was pretty fun yeah christmas island's pretty cool i'm sorry that you're in sydney um <laughs> uh, yeah, no, i liked perth a lot more it's it's like way more chill uh, yeah. sydney was sydney was very chinese um i i I was kind of surprised. Like there was a giant bank of China, like, you know, in downtown, uh, it's like, you know, yeah. there's like, it's just very, very Chinese there. Now it's, it's kind of been taken over by China. Uh, it's uh, a lot of, a lot of our major cities, uh, Sydney and Melbourne specifically, um, have, like have a lot of, uh, a lot of Chinese influence, I guess now, but um, yeah, if anyone is, is keen to come down, uh, there's a lot of security conferences that do happen in Australia. So if your employer is sending you as well, check the calendar for uh, one of those. There's, a, there's at least like three or four B-sides now um, in major cities. So you can choose where you want to go and hit them up. Have you been out to uh, Christmas Island yet? Uh, when I was younger, yeah. I've been out. Yeah, now that is one hell of an interesting destination. You know, most people go because there's like some immigration prison or something out there. I, I had no interest in that. Um, what I was more interested in is, uh, you know, it's it's ecologically like two thirds of the island is is a national park. And one thing that they don't tell you on the tourism sites though is it's it's on this garbage current from China and Indonesia. So. The Christmas Islanders are not lazy. They're cleaning their beaches constantly, but like a week's worth of uh, plastic, you know, washing up on the on the beach just basically covers the whole thing in plastic garbage, like pretty much all Chinese. Um, it's, you know, like if you want any evidence that the oceans are dying, just go to Christmas Island. But leaving that aside, um, and, you know, I want to be really clear, the Islanders are not lazy. They take really good care of their beaches. There's just so much. Uh, it's really hard to stay on top of. Um, 
there's like if you're interested in birds at all, like you can walk it, just walk into some of the most ecologically sensitive parts of the place. And, you know, like the park rangers trust you to not be stupid. It's, it's just completely astonishing to me. Like, you know, compared to, to other places, the, the amount of freedom that you have to, you know, to be a, a good steward of the environment is, uh, is unlike anywhere else you'll go. I'd actually like to take responsibility as an Australian for the garbage because it's mostly Australian tourists in Bali. Bali is a huge uh, destination um, for your average white trash Australian who wants to buy cheap knockoff sunglasses and cigarettes. Um, and, and Bali is <laughs> like, you can get there for the price of a domestic flight. So that's where your boggins go, right? Bogans. Yeah. Bogans. Or is it Bogans? Yeah. Bogans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the Bogan destination. Um, you know, so Check, yeah, that, that's where all the, that's where the trash comes from from the, the northern seas. Um, so, do bogans there wear red, make Australia great again hats? No, they wear um, blue singlets, which are known as wife beaters. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a very sp- specific type of of of, uh, of person. Okay, and and they're the ones that are driving around with like the stickers on their cars with like Calvin Calvin pissing on a Holden, right? Uh, or maybe the other way around on a Ford, but generally they, <laughs> they um, they'll have a Southern Cross tattoo because uh, and probably a sticker on their car because they'll believe that you can only see the Southern Cross, the constellation, from Australia, even though it's on like a whole bunch of countries' flags. <laughs> you can see it from the Southern Hemisphere, lol. Um, Australia. Smart. I mean, mm-hmm. makes sense. Makes sense. Get it in Australia, Southern Cross. Okay. Well, you know, like Australia is mostly civilized. You know, the the food's uh, good. They speak English, sort of. Uh, I I'd certainly recommend a visit. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I guess uh, Southeast Asian destinations that are, are pretty popular. I guess places like like. Thailand, I guess, is a popular one. Um, uh, there's a, a lot of people head over there. Uh, what What other countries would you recommend? Like, this, this well, country? for for award travel, you know, one place that's really opened up a lot is Japan. Uh, they're they're adding all these flights for the 2020 Olympics, but they're not just going then; they're starting now. So. I've never seen better award availability to Japan and it's just a wonderful country to visit. So I certainly uh, recommend going. It's so cheap to go to China now. It's crazy. I just saw, um, you know, round trip tickets. Like it's not even worth using points to go there because you can buy a ticket in economy class for, you know, I think it was $330 to Shanghai uh, on Air Canada via Vancouver from Seattle. And, I've seen fares below $300 round trip to China. The flip side of it is it's November and then you're in China. Uh, and I don't like being in Beijing in November. I lived there for three years. It's not fun. You have to walk backwards through your alleys because the wind's whipping through at like, you know, negative degrees. Um, and, you know, it's crazy smoggy and like your lungs start bleeding. It's just not good. Um, but yeah, and Hong Kong right now is super cheap, but I wouldn't go. I mean, the, the city's on fire. <laughs> it's, um, so, 
It's yeah. I mean, it's it's great to visit in the. It's cheap to visit in the middle of a civil insurrection sometimes, but that isn't necessarily a recommended holiday destination. <laughs> have you ever done that? I mean, have you? Who's capitalized on that? Uh, you know, I've been in. I got caught in the middle of something in the uh, Golden Triangle once that was just criminal okay. activity and like, you know, versus cops. And I was in the wrong place at the wrong time uh, on huh. the Chinese side. And I got the hell out of there, fortunately. But like there were literally bullets flying. That wasn't super fun. Um, wow. I mean, you know, it just kind of is what it is, right? Like it can happen yep. in the world. Yep. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of drug smuggling that happens and just bad people in that area. Um Vietnam is really heating up as a, as a tourist destination. And it's, you know, like it's still raw and edgy. It's like, uh, it's a, you know, it's not a place if you don't have any experience traveling to go, but if you've been to Thailand and you know, you're familiar with Southeast Asia, it's, it's getting to be a more tourist friendly destination. So that, that may be worth a look. Uh, if you can overlook the genocide, um, Myanmar is a wonderful place to visit. Um, it, it, it's like if you can overlook the genocide. You can overlook the genocide. So if that, you are not that's the, the quote target, for the episode. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're not Rohingya and being murdered by the uh, by the Buddhists, then you know, like they're super perfectly friendly, like always smiling. Um, and you know, it's that that's the thing. Like the you know, the world is full of crazy contradictions. So like while you know, genocide is going on in in Myanmar, like there's also like, I showed up at this place called Golden Rock. It's said to be um, held up by a, a strand of the Buddha's hair. And I didn't quite know what, you know, how things worked or anything. So I just asked a tourist policeman because people there speak English, like, hey, uh, you know, can you tell me how this works? Like, you know, do I need to buy a ticket or what? And the guy like, took me to the front of the line, like escorted me in, um, you know, gave me like some gold to paint on the rock. And he just thought that it was so cool that I'd come there uh, that like, you know, and that I, that I'd asked for like, you know, asked what it was and didn't know uh, that it was his personal mission to show me. And Hmm. you'll, you won't get, I mean, people don't do that anywhere, but, you know, like that happened there. And it's, I had all these incredible experiences like that. So I wouldn't say like, don't go to Myanmar. Um, I would say just be aware of, you know, it's a complicated place. And so, you know, the government's doing something and the military's doing something and the people are doing it, you know, and the people are who they are. And the three are not necessarily the same thing. So I got a question, like um, heading to these lower income places, uh, as an American, where U.S. dollars are basically uh, gold bars, like a, like a single is a gold bar, um, and you're carrying around, obviously, a laptop of some kind, um, is it, how safe is it to to have things like, like as a hacker, you obviously have your gadgets, and, and some people have quite expensive gadgets. Like how, what would you recommend that people take with them or not take with them? Uh, don't take anything you don't really care about losing it, but it's not because it's going to get stolen. It's because the dugout canoe that you're riding in, that's like really dodgy might like spill in the river uh, that may or may not have piranhas in it um, in between Suriname and French Guyana. <laughs> it's not that that's ever happened. Um, but uh, 
it's, you know, there are, there certainly are destinations people will steal your stuff. Uh, South America in particular, if you're walking around with an expensive smartphone, somebody is going to like grab it and run uh, more likely than not. Um, so in, if you're in keto, like don't be flashing out your expensive smartphone. It's, it's pretty simple. Like you can be really discreet about taking pictures if you're going to do it. But like, if you're walking around with a thousand dollar camera on a selfie stick, um, that's a different matter entirely. I have a cheap laptop. Uh, all my stuff's backed up in the cloud. If somebody jacks it, who cares? Um, I carry a, an Android smartphone that's not super expensive. It's, you know, it's replaceable if it needs to be. I, I do keep a backup smartphone in my bag that's then I still at least have a way to make calls and, and you know take pictures. Um, I've never had anything stolen directly from me. I've never been like, uh, you know, like I'll probably jinx it, right? But I've never been mugged. Um, I, I worry most in cities like London, you know, where there's an epidemic of mugging. Um, I worry far less in places like Mexico City. Interesting. Uh, and, you know, places like Myanmar, like the culture there is uh, to honor guests and you get bad karma if you do bad things to people. So it's just like, unless it's genocide, because uh, they just don't look at genocide quite, you know, in, in a karmatic sense. But, um, but, you know, like the same people that would like, you know, murder 10 people and then go have dinner with their family, like will never steal from you. Uh-huh. That's yeah, nice. Uh, they're at least polite. Yeah, they're polite about their genocide. Yeah, and they're polite. They're polite to battle people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't live in a headspace where it's okay to kill people because they don't share your religion. It's just not, that's not how uh, I... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also don't live in a headspace that um, where if you don't share the same religion, you can't live in the same country. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's obvious that, uh, and it's great that hopefully we haven't forgotten how to disagree, that it's okay to disagree. It's okay to, um, be passionate about different ways to hack things, hack, you know, hack travel points or hack education or whatever you want to hack. Um, it, so I, I'm totally on board. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I'd, I'd actually like to encourage anybody who's listening is, and is like kind of into this travel stuff and, and maybe wanting to take some of their own trips. I write a blog uh, called Seat 31B because that's often the one that I'm stuck in. And I'm not even <laughs> kidding. Like, I did a review of like the worst seat on, on Qantas, like, you know, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so that's Seat, S-E-A-T, 31B.com. S Sierra Echo Alpha Tango three one Bravo Bravo.com. That's uh you know, I like the rear seat, like at the back of the you know, you know, in the on the on the aisle, so when you gotta get up to pee. Like everyone wants the window, like I hate the window. I wanna <laughs> like, you know, it's No, no, dude. Good. Like the the middle seat is the one in the back and it doesn't recline because the toilet's directly behind it. Oh damn. Then you're smelling yeah. everyone's poop. <laughs> So, so all you smell is airplane poop and you need to can't get out. And like, you know, there's just like, it's, it's slightly, maybe slightly less bad than the, the, the uh, aisle seat, like right next to the toilet. Cause everybody stands at the aisle seat, like 
right next to you farting like before they go into poop. Also, in case of emergency, you're probably going to be the last one out, so a good chance you'll die if you crash. <laughs> you're you know, dying you're anyway. <laughs> and, it's, and it's bumpy back there. It's bumpy uh, back by there. the way, I blame all of you for this terrible vodka choice that I've made. And oh my God, it's like, yeah, I think that I probably won't drink again for another month after this. Power to you, man. Yeah. Definitely, I. Uh, that's that's admirable to not drink. Everyone should not drink unless you hear yeah. cyber war, in which case you do drink, but just a little bit. Yeah, I just needed a break for a little while. That's all right. It's uh, I, I felt like I was drinking more than I should if I didn't want to get fat. <laughs> it is definitely a big contributor to that. I'm gonna have to take off soon. Is this uh? Is that inappropriate, or where we at? I think we're all about to take off pretty soon. Yeah, so, do, a, cool. do a wrap up. I think we're about to wrap up. Any uh, anybody else got anything else? Real quick, uh, one minute, one minute plugs or anything? <laughs> uh, shut the fuck up, get a lawyer. Oh, damn it, that was mine. That's Wait, that's ours. No, we share that one. All right, we share that one. That's right. Shut got a lot of plugs. I'm gonna give him our uh, one minute plugs. I'm gonna add a. Uh, I'll add one real uh, quick. C code is fucking hard. You want a good trip down history lane for game and C? <laughs> yeah, P- I'll P- add Pico uh, eight. Pico eight is cool. I'll add your mom's box to this episode. <laughs> Make it that what you will. Anybody else? I'll add I'm that. Not uh, chili. <laughs> I'll add that uh, after programming in like 10 languages, Go makes me a better dad because I can trust my Go code more. So check out Go. Cool. Go's, Go's cool. Well, uh, thanks to all our guests who are still here and who have departed early. Uh, thanks to everyone who shared their news articles, Goodreads, and links contributed to the show codes. Uh, the show codes. The show notes. The show codes. <laughs> um, the show codes. Who's drinking? <laughs> Big shout out to uh, you who wasn't here this week, uh, Net Spooky on Twitter, uh, who puts in countless hours and uh, had to have a sleep. Um, always doing fantastic stuff, and uh, in his in his absence, uh, we realize how much he actually does. So, I think with that, we should probably say goodnight, and uh, we'll see you at some point in the future. Hell yeah. Good night. Good night. Good night. Shut the the fuck up and get some sleep. (laughs) Fuck up, get a lawyer. Stay up all night and look at places to go. Wander the world.